What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, December 19th, 2018. This week's episode, Christmas wishes, a lot of holiday fun. What's up, guys? I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. I'm joined by the always WCW here on the show. Also, the best partner for the biggest event of my life yet, Smash Global, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hate Fight fans. You can find my stuff at fangirl underscore MMA. We had such a fun weekend at Smash Global. Gee, it was a success. You did great in your debut of Inside the Cage interviews. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Now, I was on a high literally Saturday. People were like, why are you smiling so big? And I was like, you don't even know. Um, So it was a lot of fun. I was so happy that you were there with me. All of our friends supporting me, supporting us and um, special shout out to Stephen Cureño and Giandra LaBeouf, who featured us on their channels and in interviews. Michael Sartain, Steve Orozco, the founder. So thank you guys for making the event such a success. And thank you always, Miss Kayla, for hanging with me and making sure I, you know, you're, you're just great, Kayla. Thank you so much for always being there. Uh, but yeah. Course. Thank you. But yeah, so a lot of fun stuff. There are no fights this weekend. I think a little thankfully because we've been on quite a marathon to close out the year. But we have a lot of fights to recap and we'll have a little bit of holiday fun for this week's episode. So I'm excited. Kayla, I know we all want to go back to Hawaii, but we got to start with that lightweight main event in Milwaukee. The last UFC on Fox card. Kevin Lee versus Ally Akinta. This one... Flew under the radar, I think, because of everything. But a lot of people are saying it might be one of the best fights of the year. And I really agree with them. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was super competitive against two very top guys and guys who really, you know, wanted a win. I really love Ally Quinta's resurgence. I think it's so awesome when somebody is kind of talking smack and saying, you know, if I came back, I would dominate. I would do this. And, and, you know, a lot of people kind of doubted the real estate agent and he shown that he's still been, you know, actively training in MMA and still has it. I missed the first round. I could only find rounds two to five, um, but very competitive. I think that um, Kevin had his moments in the earlier rounds, but um, yeah, I don't know. But I, you know I think what I was impressed, too, is both guys' conditioning was really well, too. Yeah, I I know people were talking about that Kevin Lee seemed to fade a little bit, and I do agree, but I think all things considering, I think it was more that Ally Quinta just was turning it on late, just as much as, uh, you know, maybe better conditioning for him. I think that Kevin Lee didn't look, you know, gassed out. He didn't look like uh, Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou late. He really just... um, I think that he was losing it a bit at a time when Al was looking stronger. Um, The one to me, Kayla, back and forth, I think the two things that stood out to me were Al Iaquinta outstriking Kevin Lee. Kevin, you would think that with his improved grappling and everything that he would probably go for more. 
And I was very impressed with how good Al's striking was. He got in and out. He avoided taking big hits on the feet. He obviously landed a lot. But Kevin Lee just could not catch him no matter how hard he tried. I felt like earlier he had a lot more volume. But just very simply, he could not get fist-to-face on Al. And I think that was a factor. Um, The scoring, a lot of people said first two Kevin, last three Al. For me, that third round was close because Al was doing work early, but then Kevin Lee gets that takedown, takes the back, and he really has the fight there the entire time for the rest of the round. And that one, um, I had it for Kevin Lee, just barely. Because I feel like when you take the back, you are really forcing your opponent into a completely defensive position. Whereas on the feet, even though he wasn't winning... Kevin Lee was still throwing punches back and I felt and I want to say that Kevin had more time on the ground so I had it just barely but a lot of people did score that for Ally Akinta. I'll admit it was close but that's just me but that's the one that I think was the real that was the real turning point because I think the rest of the rounds were pretty clear cut in that way so it was definitely quite a fight and I have to say you know Al after you know having a few rounds with Habib he didn't really look worried when he was in those positions or taken to the ground. And I just have to say, like, after you've gone in there with the current champ, it makes me intrigued to see Conor McGregor back because I feel like, or even, you know, if he's back and takes a fight that isn't, you know, an immediate rematch, it seems like after you've kind of weathered that storm, you go in there with a little bit of confidence. I think so. And I'm glad you brought it up because that was the real question to me. It's like, Al, he wants to fight, and I'm sure there's a lot of fun that goes into winning a big fight in UFC. But to me, I think that was the question about his heart. It's like, dude, you kind of already walked out the door once. How bad can you really want this? Is it just about the money? Are you going to fight as hard if you don't have that motivation? Maybe that, that animal, that dog to fight like some guys. I think that all those questions were answered. You know, he was in there with a tough guy who was motivated to get the win back. And Al looked great. He clearly has been not skipping anything. He took it seriously. He looked very motivated out there. So I was impressed, all things considered. Kayla, the lightweight picture, this helps? Or I think you could say it makes it more complicated. What do you think is next for Ally Akinta? Oh, man. Um... I know. That's why I passed it to you first. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Well, I'm not really prepared, G, because you didn't prepare me for these questions. Um, You you know I always ask that question anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I don't even really know, and I'm so tired from working at Bar Shift at 3 a.m. that um, I really think that that whole division has a big question mark for me just because so many fights have to play out. It's like, sure, I definitely want to see him get a rematch with Habib, but Tony Ferguson deserves it. Um, You know, you have other fights that need to play out. You have other matches being discussed. So let me toss out a few and let me let me ask you what you think. What I think is next for him is a move up in rankings. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Okay, let me toss out a few and maybe get your thoughts. Um, I think that at this point, even though Al looked good, even though he had the five rounds with Habib, et cetera, et cetera. I think that both Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier are just a little too far ahead of him. 
I know that he is shooting his shot and trying to get a big money fight with Connor. I just don't think that UFC would do that. I think they would rather go for the payday Connor Nate 3. But I do see Al maybe fighting a guy like a Edson Barbosa who looked good in the co-main event. Maybe giving him a Justin Gaethje who called him out also. I think those two fights make sense. They would propel him. And I think that it wouldn't mess up that uh, title picture because I think it's clear to see that UFC wants to get that big Tony versus Habib fight finally. So I don't think Al gets a top one or two guy. I do think, though, that Edson or Justin Gaethje would be next for him when you look at the picture as a whole. What do you think? I like Justin Gaethje. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of fun. I know they talked about Anthony Pettis for Justin, but I just... I think that Al fight is just more fun, if I'm being quite honest. I think Al versus Justin Gaethje is just more fun. Moving on. I mean, look, there was a lot of good stuff. Edson Barbosa looks, I mean, he just destroyed Dan Hooker. A lot of other stuff that people were talking about. So it was really a ton of fun in Milwaukee. And um, Kayla, the last UFC on Fox, I couldn't help but it's like, man. That where did the time go? I don't know if you felt that way when you thought about it. Um, not really. <laughs> it's like they're gonna be back next week anyway, right? <laughs> All right. Again, not... G, I think that you know people have to move on with the times. We knew that... the deal was coming to an end. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but yeah, it's um. I mean, I think it, if anything, it raised questions because it's like, wow, what's it going to look like, you know, in a month when it gets to ESPN? So I think that was the big part of it for me anyway. But Kayla, let's go ahead. Are you, let me ask you a question. Do you have your nice hat? Do you have the sunscreen? Do you have an umbrella ready? Um, Sure. <laughs> so let's get on the boat. Let's start paddling. You said you'll make sushi as we row the boat over to Hawaii. Um, two cards. We're going to mention a few, but let's talk about the crown jewel, the pineapple princess retaining her title. Miss Elima Lay McFarlane versus Valerie Letourneau. Um, Kayla, this is your buddy. Go ahead and take it away. What did you think of her performance? Well, yay, she made her title defense successfully in Hawaii. Um, Yeah, I think that talking about the fight, um, the first round was a little slow. I think that what was interesting is there was respect there for the champ, I think. Um, You know, uh, looking from Valerie's side of of feeling each other out and vice versa. Um, But I just think that the way that it finished is just a testament to how great Alima is and that once she gets your back how slick she is um and just another like testament to the 10th planet jiu-jitsu um, whoop, whoop. it was it was very exciting to watch super happy for her and i think it was just a really cool i mean obviously i like both women i respect both women um you know and what they've done for the sport um but what better story could you get than her successfully, you know, retaining her title in Hawaii? Yeah, um, the fight itself, I was very impressed with Alima's striking. And I don't know if that's because, and we talked about it, she's uh, 
a bigger athlete than Valerie at 125, and maybe it was a bit of the physicality, even though Elima, I would say, isn't at the level of striking of Valerie just yet. The fact that she was bigger, I think maybe that got Valerie's respect. I think maybe the threat of the takedown that maybe Valerie wasn't as open and fluid with her striking as we tend to see her. So I think all those were impressive factors that Alima capitalized on. Clearly on the ground, there was a distinct edge for Alima that just was, it wasn't just noticeable, it was very obvious, like you brought up. But um, yeah, I think that's the two biggest things that stood out to me was that she made a very tough veteran in Valerie who looked very motivated, looked very ordinary out there. We know that Valerie has been there with some tough girls and if anything, maybe she was going to throw a few curveballs at Alima, and Alima really was the one who controlled that fight, in my opinion. And um, even on the feet where it was a little closer, I had Alima just getting the better of Valerie the entire night, and I think that's saying a lot when you consider that Alima, she's coming from that grappling background. I know she's working, but she's admitted herself she's still growing as a striker, so to do that kind of work on the feet was what impressed me. Um, Kayla, also, you know, talking about Alima, I, I just, how can you put into words how impressive and remarkable it is that she's become this star for Bellator? They have signed all of these guys from UFC and everything from Fedor to Machida to Ryan Bader, et cetera, et cetera. And yet Alima is a breakout star. I can't see her ever being less than a co-main event at this point for the company. Just, I mean, talk to me about that because I think that's the biggest thing about her story is that she's not the person you would have expected to be this star, and yet she undoubtedly is now. Yeah, I think that's what's definitely going to go down in her legacy, and I think it just shows how necessary this weight class was, too. You know, there's a lot of really great fights that are ahead for her. Um, And I think that she knows that and respects that. And that's why as champ, she wants to continue, you know, evolving her game too, because she, and that's, what's going to be amazing is just to watch her evolve her game each time she gets matched um, with someone new. But yeah, I, I mean, that's what's, I love that story. I feel like she's almost like another, Ronda Rousey maybe for Bellator like you said she's able to pull her own weight and and headline cards and inspire people to try them in other lands like Hawaii um it's awesome and I really I love again if you don't know anyone who's listening if you don't know what else she's doing outside of just fighting she's doing so much with her platform and that's why I'm always going to be a big fan of hers too. I love when people use their platforms to do, you know, to help others. That's why Brian T city Rose thug Rose are a couple of my other favorites too. I think it's great when people aren't so selfish and self-involved and want to use their platform to help. You mean like only focusing on making their own whiskey or something like that? (laughs) Conor McGregor apparently does a lot of charity and, um, things under the radar, which I also like to sometimes you don't have to be um, in people's faces about it. If you know you're doing good stuff, then why do you have to tweet about it and, and make it so apparent? But it might help 
anybody that's uh, <laughs> not a fan of his knowing that stuff might win them over. So, uh, public image is everything. If he if people started thinking he was too nice, he wouldn't be as fun. If we're being uh, yeah, exactly. No, I get you. I get you. I'm just teasing. No, look, she's clearly got a great story. Um, I respect the, her team. Um, I don't know the coaches and all that as well as you do, but my experiences with them have been great. I, um, I've um, i spoken with Alima before, I think maybe a year, I want to say, before she ever was going to fight for the title. And um, very open and candid and great with me and willing to, you know, discuss any subject and um i always remember that and i always appreciated that respect that about her and um like i see what you're saying i see her using that platform too and i think it's just very uh you know just commendable what she's doing um i i I will admit this kayla i am trying very hard to think about who could be next for elima and i'm not gonna lie to you like yourself i probably am not as familiar with that picture outside of Valerie Letourneau that was kind of the last girl who was like oh this is an obvious choice I know Christina Williams came back and had a big win not too long I want to say maybe two weeks ago I know that Kate Jackson is out there who had a big fight at their 200th show um those two women stand out but really I think that um it's going to be interesting what is next for Alima. There isn't really that big star. I, If anything, I would argue that everyone left for her is still a developing person, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that suddenly it is going to be the search for that, hey, you know, which of these girls can give Alima the biggest run for their money? Because of those fighters, I feel like Alima is the closest to a finished product. I think the others are still just quite frankly working on their game still. So I do, I, I'm going to be interested because I think it's going to be very intriguing what's next for Lima in 2019. Just how do you develop someone who's already so big? You know, how do you still keep growing them at the rate you need to in their career? So going to be a lot of fun. Let's mention a few other things, Kayla. Uh, Michael Chandler did get that victory over Brent Primus finally. Yes. Very dominating. Um, Brent did hurt him once in the fight and seemed to take control, but credit to Michael Chandler. He survived. He got it back together and continued to dominate with wrestling. So very impressive victory. Brent and they, was- said, they said, too, what I read is... Um... I don't know, G, can you think of any other fighter? I mean, there's probably only a collective, you know, on one hand of fighters that are three-time champions. Yeah, I want to say, not even not, I think in the same weight class. I want to yeah. say Randy came close, or maybe BJ Penn, but no, look, I mean, when you talk about the modern era and you talk about the level of fighter today compared to back in the day, you're right. I know. I read that too. That he's the only one in Pride, Strikeforce, UFC, uh, Bellator to win it three times. And um, look, that's just credit to his longevity. That's credit to the fighters he's fought. Eddie Alvarez, Will Brooks, back in the day. Um, look, that's just how good this guy is. I would, and we said it. Like he took what's best for him in Bellator. I would have loved to see him throw down with some of the bigger names in UFC, like anybody, but. He made the best choice for him, and I think that we're going to see him just be a bigger star. Um, Kayla, I'm going to go... Do you think, G... Go ahead. Do you think, you know, since Bellator and Scott Coker have hinted that we're going to see many 
more crossover champ versus champ in different promotions. I feel like maybe that could have been something that kept Michael Chandler around to sign another contract. Maybe that's how he's going to fight outside of Bellator and, um, you know, get new competition. Absolutely. The way I read it personally was that Michael Chandler knew that if he were to jump into UFC this year, he's great, but he was never going to get ahead of Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. Uh And at this stage of his career, he probably wants to fight immediately for belts and all this historical stuff. So I think that was part of it. I'm willing to bet Bellator has given him a ton of money that he feels was comparable to UFC after everything. I'm sure that was part of it. But to me, Kayla, I'll tell you what I think it is. I expect Michael... Look, looking at lightweight respectfully, besides maybe younger Pitbull... There isn't anybody left for Michael Chandler. He's already run the table over there. I wouldn't be surprised if next year it's crossover. Maybe he moves up to 170 to fight the Grand Prix winner or something like that. I think that's all that we're going to see out of Michael Chandler in 2019. I think he feels like there's nothing left for him to prove at 155 in Bellator unless that's how the calendar falls. But I expect him to go to Ryzen. I expect him to move up. I expect other people to try to move down. That's what I expect from Michael Chandler personally. What about yourself? Do you see anything? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it was, I really liked his post-fight interview and um, the respect that he has for Brent Primus now. I think that was something that was also nice and that we have to mention. We really didn't get to see Brent Primus, you know, fight often because of, you know, different, um, whatever reasons, injuries. Um, but I do like how Michael Chandler said there is respect there because he brought that fight fighting for his life to try to keep that title. Um, so I know that he, I guess, you know, if there's any doubt that doubt that Brent Primus wasn't taking, you know, being champion serious, um, Michael Chandler doesn't believe that was the case. I don't know if I am, you know, looking forward to an immediate rematch or anything, but maybe he um, will step up and evolve his game, get some fights in, and there could be, you know, a trilogy fight there. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I always kind of wondered why Michael Chandler decided to stay with Bellator because we had discussed it pretty a lot earlier in the year, G, of who else is there for him to fight. But now knowing that they're going to be jumping around, promotion champ first champ i think that um you know there's a lot um in store still for michael chandler in 2019 yeah i think it's going to be a ton of fun and um look i i also he's a very active guy which i think is very refreshing i don't think we're gonna have to wait long to actually see him back and that's actually that just adds to it because he also you know outside of probably having to get a bit of ice after that hit He's probably going to be back very soon after recovery, so I'm looking forward to it. The last fight back on Ilima's show was Lyoto Machida defeating Rafael Carvalho. That one split decision. I'm not going to lie, it was competitive, but I felt like those two rounds, you know, it was tough to say they were that close, but um, Rafael brought the fight to Machida. Tried to, you know, didn't land that big shot, but he was returning fire. But I think that Lyoto timing was everything. He found his spots to land those right hands and counters. And 
I think that's what pulled the job out for um, Lioto in his Bellator debut. And already, Kayla, um, Gegard Mousasi fights in a little over a month, and maybe that's the b- next big fight for Bellator is Lioto versus Gegard now that we're there. Yeah, I think so. They both have that star quality name, and I think that, um, you know, Gegard's hinted that he only has a couple more fights left um, before he retires, so why would Bellator not want to get those two star names to bring in some numbers and views? Yeah, and um, really, I think also it's a different fight this time. I think that Lioto still just had so much clout the first time they fought years ago, but really... A lot of people saying, you know, it's Gegard Musasi or Robert Whitaker. Even though Robert's doing so well, you can't. People are still saying, you know what? I know Robert is great, but the best middleweight in the world really might be Gegard Musasi. And I think that's saying a lot. And um, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be very interesting just if Gegard defends the title, what's going to be next? Because I think that could be another fun fight. But yeah, it was a fun weekend in Hawaii. I'm sure that Bellator and everybody involved is ready to go back next week if they could. So I think it'll be fun. Before we move on, what did you think about all the broadcasters, Jen Brown, Chael, John McCarthy, all in their Hawaiian shirts on TV? I was going to say all of the tacky Hawaiian shirts were cracking me up. Like, you see, like, you feel like they just milk that. And I was like, oh, my God, really? But um, look, if you're going to go have fun with it, and I think that was the whole point. That was the whole point of doing a show in Hawaii where it's smaller and all that. And they filled the, you know, they packed the house. So why not have some fun? But I like that. I thought it was cool. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of good stuff going on. But we do still have some MMA news. The big story everyone's talking about, um, I do have, I feel a certain way about this, but I know it's the top story on a slow news week without fights, so let's talk about it. Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal, not official. So obviously there was a lot of talk about Nick coming back and, you know, a lot of fans excited about it, and he's fighting a gamer in Jorge, and they were supposed to fight in March, I believe the March 2nd show, UFC 235, and Nick pretty much told ESPN that, no, I'm not fighting Jorge Masvidal. I haven't signed paperwork. I haven't agreed. I haven't, et cetera, et cetera. Jorge responded to say he had agreed to a fight, but that um, essentially he's just ready to fight whomever at this stage. And yeah, Kayla, I know a lot of fans want to see him back. He does put on a show respectfully every time he is in that cage, but it's been four years. It's been, I, I just, like his brother, I question his motivation. Do you, I guess, is it time to just close the curtain and say, you know, these guys just aren't coming back? I think so. I feel like they kind of have just played around with the idea to see if they could get some big money, big, big paychecks. But, I mean, you know how I feel, G. I feel like it's, like, so exhausting even talking about it anymore. Like, I don't think that either of the Diaz brothers, with their time off, deserve to be where they're at in rankings or come back just because they have this draw. I don't even know why some of their fans are, like, still supporting the idea of them coming back and, and, you know, fighting for a title when they've, like, 
uh, cried wolf this many times and got everyone excited. I mean, I think about so many nerds making memes and like um, photoshopping photos together of a potential fight and then it doesn't even happen. It's just so messed up to do your fans. Um, but yeah, I just, and then like, you know, you hear also about them um, hinting that they're going to go over to Bellator just to also give a last F you to the UFC. So it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know we have to talk about it just because it's what everyone's talking about, but I just feel like it's such a waste of time. To me, it's kind of like, okay, I understand teasing and anticipation, et cetera, et cetera. At this point, it's like, bro, just fight already or call it a day. I, you know, I, I'm kind of like over it. Like, I don't know. Um, I see how Nick Diaz is fighting. It's like, bro, I'll believe it when I see it, you know? Um, I don't, like, quite bluntly, I really doubt we will ever see Nate Diaz back unless it's to fight Conor McGregor at this point. Um, I just don't see how it could happen. I just don't think that there is a carrot big enough that isn't named Conor or Habib that will make Nate, you know, get off the couch and train and fight. And um, look, that's not to say they don't want to, but this this is how they think. And, you know, I hate to say this to their fans because they do put on a show and I'm going to give them that respect. But I think when you have guys who aren't really, you know, jumping out of their seat to fight after this long away, I think you have to just, you know, come to terms with the fact that it, that that's just not their priority. And, okay, you got other stuff going on. Go ahead and handle business. I hope whatever they're working on is successful for them if that's what it is. But I think that it's time to kind of let go of the appeal of a fight. I think that you have such a full roster that, you know, now with Ben Askren, for example, coming in, you know, you got guys who do want to fight and show up and are excited to get out there. I think that to keep talking about Nick or Nate after so long away is just, you know, setting yourself up for disappointment at this point is what I'm saying. And um, look, if they come back, I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm sure we'll get quite the show. But I just see that less and less likely every day, every month, and now every year that has passed by. Um, real quick, Jorge Masvidal. There's uh, quite a few guys at 170 that could be fun. He threw out Neil Magny. Leon Edwards is doing well. Um, is there a guy that stands out to you at 170? Do you think he needs a gamer? Do you think he needs a ranked guy? What do you think? Um, yeah, you know, I'm actually excited that at least Jorge Masvidal is talk not coming back. I think that he was on a nice run for a little bit. I don't know if he's just been stepping aside for Colby to kind of have his moment. Um, but yeah, I feel like just because of his absence, I kind of need, um, you know, a couple fights, I guess, to see him kind of climb back in those rankings. I don't know. The Neil Magny fight, I think that sounds good. What do you think, G? I like it. Stylistically, I like it. Leon Edwards, I think, has more firepower, and I think that would be fun. But if he wants Neil Magny and that's who's available, I'm good with it. I think it'll be fun. Fun fact, he's been on this Spanish game show. I'm trying to compare it. It's kind of like, um, not Ninja Warrior. It's kind of like the challenge and all that, like obstacle courses and et cetera, et cetera. And they're fighting for, or not fighting, but, you know, competing for money. Um, my mother watches it. Kayla, I watch him. He's been doing great. I want to say he came close to winning this show and it's been on for like several weeks in the fall. And I was like, damn, Jorge, 
that's why we haven't seen you fight. But um, so yeah, he's keeping busy. And I know that he said he went on because UFC couldn't get him a fight. So it's like, well, man, clearly you're motivated. So, you know, more power to you. That's what I wanted to point out. So a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Kayla, our next story, this one, I'm not going to lie. When I read it, I got real excited and I had to tell myself to rein it back in. Cain Velasquez in talks to return against Francis Ngannou on February 17th. This would be the first ever main event on big ESPN. So not the app. So, you know, quite an intriguing one. And yeah, let's say the numbers. Velasquez, it's going to be close to... uh, two years by the time he gets back in the cage to fight. Um, Francis Ngannou, of course, is coming back to fight uh, after winning over Curtis Blades by knockout. Um, Kayla, let's say it like it is. Cain Velasquez, the injury, the age, the layoff. What can we expect from him at this stage? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I would think that if he feels comfortable coming back, that we can hope for the best. I mean, you know, some say he was the greatest uh, heavyweight, you know, um, in the UFC. Uh, It's going to be really telling. And then the thing is, is he's coming back and, you know, willing to fight the scary, crazy knockout artist. So um, I don't know. Again, it's just going to be telling to see where he's at. If he still has a chin for one. Um, I think, you know, maybe Francis Ngannou is a little less scary um, after the fight with Derek Lewis, but um, I don't know. I think we just uh, will need to see how he looks back in there. I think that it's, I, I wanted to see him at least make another run. I kind of wish it was sooner. I know we had talked about it. Again, I think earlier in the year, how nice it would have been to have Kane come in there and mix it up, um, see a fight, you know, with Stipe and Kane and um, uh, when Stipe was on his run. Um, but that's the thing is, I think that there's some exciting matchups for him, whether it's Nganu or Stipe. Um, but yeah, to to try and predict what we're going to see in there, I don't know. He's had a lot of time off and obviously his body's taken a lot. What do you think? it's so many x factors like like, i I, in a short answer i agree with you completely how could you know i mean when we used to see kane he was clean shaven now he grows that beard that has more gray than is you know it's a little concerning when you say this man's about to get back in there and fight in the cage um look uh i think that a hell you know all things considered his wrestling is probably the biggest X factor against a guy like Nganu, and that bodes well for him when you consider how dangerous Francis is. But once again, it's the timing, it's the cardio, all the things that made Kane special. You're not convinced that he might have all of them going into this one after it's all, you know, after everything that's happened. And um, look, part of me is like, well, was he stepping aside so DC could have his moment and he was just focused on himself? Was it his health? I really don't know. And like you said, it's going to be very telling. Um, I will say that I am cautious. I think we will see a good, not a great Cain Velasquez. I think a good Cain with his wrestling still is very dangerous and can beat Nganu even after that fight with Curtis Blades. But 
I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and look like he did when he returned against Travis Brown. I think that this time it's just too different. And yeah, so I'm going to be a little cautious. I do think he's not going to look completely done. I think he wouldn't be coming back unless he was confident in his abilities. More importantly, when you look at his coaches and his team, I don't think he would be coming back unless his team was confident that Kane could be competitive at this level again. So I think that's something very important. Uh, before we move on, though, this fight is obviously huge for the title picture. And I know that we're waiting to see what happens with John Jones after, what happens with DC if we get to the Brock fight. But how do you think this plays into it? Do you think that a Cain Velasquez win sets him up for a title shot, whether it's vacant, whether it's Stipe or somebody else? Um, sets him up for a title shot if he gets a win over Francis? Yeah. Um... I, again, it depends on his performance. If he gets okay. a decision, then no. If he gets some crazy, you know, fight and, and dominant finish, then yeah, I think that his, um, you know, previous uh, work in the UFC could talk him into getting a title shot. What do you think? I think that's a good one. I think that's a great point is that with the heavyweight division, <laughs> excuse me, looking like it is, uh, I think performance is going to be a big deal. As much as his name is still big, I don't think it has the clout, once again, that it used to. And um, when you look at how good Junior Dos Santos has looked, when you consider how good, you know, other guys, you know, have been recently, I can't say that he is necessarily a shoe-in. For example, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Stipe Junior Dos Santos trilogy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if John Jones moving up switches it up. But if Kane looks good and John Jones doesn't move up right away, I could see Kane against Stipe possibly. I think that fight is still one that carries a lot of weight to people. But once again, his performance, like you said, I think that's a very big deal. That's going to be a very big part of it because you want a guy you feel confident in coming back to fight for the title. That's something we see a lot with Dominic Cruz. And I think that Kane is in that category. You need to have give people confidence that you're going to be able to show up consistently again. But I, I will say, on the record, I'm happy to see him back. Like you said, I, I also wanted to see him back too, and I think it's a very big deal for MMA and everyone else. But, for sure. Yeah, but Kayla, so there are no fights this weekend, which I'm a little thankful for because we've had so many events. We can't, we don't even talk about all of the ones going on, but to let fans know, next week we will start talking about everything else. We will probably mention some knockout and submissions of the year. We'll look ahead to John Jones and Alex and everything else going on. But until then, we have a very nice holiday season. I know you and I are going to be looking forward to enjoying it and getting that nice, well-deserved R&R. But we got to share the love, Kayla. We got to give some gifts to the stars of Mixed Martial Arts. So I thought it would be fun. We used to play a lot of games, and I think this is a perfect time for one. Gifts for the stars. So essentially, what would you give? to these certain characters in mixed martial arts so Kayla I'm gonna toss the first one to you our first person on our Christmas list is Daniel Cormier the double champ the daddest man alive 
what would you get DC for Christmas? Um, for Christmas, I would get him Luke Rockhold dressed in a suit with some roses and <laughs> it broadcasted like, or no, what I would get is his next fight. Luke um, walks into the middle of the octagon and says, I love you too, DC. Oh, that's cute. I would talk him into doing that. What would you do to get him? Well, you know, I know DC, he's probably driving his kids to school, being the daddest man alive. He's had a great career in Olympics and wrestling and UFC and strike force that after retirement, maybe he's feeling, uh, you know, a little sore. I would get him one of those nice cushions for the car seat. And I would also get him a little thing of uh, Luke Rock- Rockhold's, um, what is it, Polo Ralph Lauren, you know, some of that cologne. And I'd make sure it's the one, like, there's a picture of Luke on the box. I think that's what I would get for DC. Because, nice. you know, he's got to look sharp, you know, at the desk. So, you know, part of that is also the smell. So I'd make sure he gets that nice cologne. Now, our next person, Max Holloway the best who is blessed, the featherweight champion. What would you get for Max for Christmas? What would you get him? I am going to get him uh, matching outfits for him and his son because I feel like (laughs) they just like to rock out. I think um, he is very proud of how much fun he gets to have with his son and share the platform. So I would probably get them some cool outfits, some Jordan, some Supreme, some stuff out of Flight Club, just so they both look nice and fresh out there when they go to the next press conference. I think I'm going to add to that and get them concert tickets to who's his uh, son's favorite artist. Bruno Mars? Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, I thought another one, like um, adult and then a kid-sized surfboard for Hawaii, too. I think that could be cute. Oh, I feel like they definitely already have those. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's what I would get from Max. I think he'd have a lot of fun with it. The next one, this one, I'm very intrigued for you. The next person on our Christmas list, Mrs. Claus, Alima McFarland. <laughs> um, I would get her her bobblehead that she wants made by Bellator. She's been asking for it. I hate you. You took my idea. Ha ha, you asked me first. Oh, you're mean. Um, no, so, okay, if you are going to get that for her, I am going to get Elima. I am going to get her a $100 gift card to Party City. That way, at her next weigh-in, she already, you know, is able to pick out a costume for her and Manolo. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right, the final person on our Christmas list, Justin Gaethje. This one's the toughest one, I think. Justin Gaethje, I'm going to get him a new pair of glasses. I think he needs to update his frames. (laughs) I am going to get him... I'm going to get him a mini fridge full of Red Bull. I think that he's got so much energy that the only way he keeps it up, I think he needs a little bit of help, especially going into 2019, all these tough guys. Get him a nice little mini fridge full of Red Bull. Let him kick it with his friends. I think that's what I'm going to do. All right, I feel like we're some good gift givers. I really do, too. I think that was well done. But yeah, you know what? A lot of stuff. Kayla, what can I get you for Christmas? Obviously, it is coming up. 
Is there a special fight I need to call Dana and Sean Shelby to put together? Um, I would love if you could call UFC Fight Pass and talk them out of the charge they just charged me for another year <laughs> because I forgot to cancel my card. <laughs> because now there's new streaming services that I needed to pay a membership for. Okay, I will. I'll tell you what. I will hook you up for uh, ESPN and the Zone. All right, I got you. All right. <laughs> Perfect. What about you, G? What are you asking for for Christmas? Um, another year as always a friendship with Fangirl MMA. Um, I think that what I would like for Christmas, if I can pick anything. I want to see Connor versus Max Holloway. I don't care about any of the other stuff. Let's just have some fun with it. I I want that one. You know what? I want that one, and I want it to be at a UFC in LA, close to my house, um, on March 29th, my birthday, which I believe falls on a Saturday this year. That's my wish. So that one. Call Dana White, you know, Give them the puppy dog eyes and let's make it happen, okay? You got it. All right. Well, that's a lot of fun. Um, fans, I, if you celebrate the holiday season, whether it's Christmas, whether it's just a week off, what have you, I hope you guys have a great holiday season. We have some stuff we're going to be talking about next week. We have some stuff about the future of the show that we will be um, announcing next week. But until then, guys, have a great holiday. Kayla, on the air, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas for you and your family. And just as always, I hope it's the best for you. Where can fans find you on social media? You as well, G. Happy holidays, MMA fans. You guys can follow me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they check out your stuff? Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.